0: I asked our guest Chris Robin to pound the table for someone this offseason. Chris, who you pounded the table for?
1: Oh, it's not even close to me. It's, and they're two rookies, too. I mean, we could have run the gambit on you know other players that we like, but given the fact that it's almost the end of February here, everybody's pounding their desks or their chairs on rookies. It's Purdue wide receiver Rondale Moore and Memphis running back Kenny Gainwell. I love both of these guys, and the only reason I say that and follow me here is because personal reasons. So in a lot of upcoming drafts, people already know like where their picks are, and they try and plan ahead I don't have anything in like the first like maybe five or six picks so it's perfect for me to land Gainwell and even Rondale Moore if I move up here so I'm pounding the table on Rondale Moore and Kenny Gainwell
0: I love it I love it that table is beat to smithereens with love for Moore and Gainwell Uh, I just kind of want to throw in there that Memphis running back thing seems to be a thing every year playmakers excitement I'm going to be looking for him as well now let's get to the show welcome everyone to the most accurate podcast i am your humble host brandon niles and co-hosting today is chris allen chris i hope the winter weather spared you troubles how you doing today
2: Uh, i got a couple of days off of work last week because up here in southwest ohio we got pelted with about uh, six or seven inches or so kids were at home wife was at home so we all got to hang out like while the winter storm kind of passed over us Run that, we're doing okay. Happy to sit down with you again here. It's been a couple of weeks since we got to chat. But I'm happy to chat with Chris, too. I mean, we got one of our Fantasy Pros rankings experts over here on the show with us today. So I'm happy to talk fantasy.
0: Awesome. Thanks so much, Chris. I'm excited to have you, too. It's been too long. Too long already with the two-week break. I got I to gotta say it. Uh, <laughs> as Chris alluded to and I mentioned in the cold open, we are excited to be joined by Chris Robin, member of the Fantasy Sports Writers Association. He does DFS content at the Undroppables and at DFS Cheat Sheet contributor and expert ranker at fantasy pros does IDP also just a fun enjoyable Twitter follow at Detroit BC for anyone looking to expand their network add a little information and positivity to your day Chris Thank you so much for joining us. How you doing?
1: Fantastic. And to be honest, uh, not to toot my own horn, but I'm on a lot of broadcast on a weekly basis, but the, the way you introed me is, it's outstanding. It was probably the best one that I've ever been on, so thank you. And then when you read it all out loud like that, you know, I have a regular career, behavioral therapy, and then I do all this stuff for fun, and I, I'm pretty tired at the end of the day, but then when you read it all off to me, I'm like, man, I should be way more exhausted than I already am, boys. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, thank you, Chris. Yes, we'll all take a nap after this after reading these bios. It'll work out great. Um, <laughs> before we get too much into uh, our main segment where we're going to talk about those expert rankings, talk about how Fantasy Pros comes up with the accuracy ranking of experts around the industry, I just wanted to ask you a little question about DFS because I know that's one of the worlds you go into. Uh, with it being so much more of a short term game than traditional fantasy leagues, uh, what is DFS content to DFS uh, content producing? Uh, look like during the off season
1: uh, during the offseason I'll be honest with you there's not much going on and it's perfect because if you've noticed uh, if you've gotten involved in DFS at all if you've ever written anything DFS or read anything DFS uh, during the season it's insane it's it's just fast paced zero to 60 in two seconds uh, and you just go 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 so now uh, I'm able to kind of relax and you know you know kick up my feet maybe I'm in Michigan uh, the other Chris is in Ohio so we kind of have to go through the same nasty winter and cold weather here. <laughs> So now I'm able to be cozy and inside and rest and take on other projects like broadcast with you uh, I, I like to uh, read comic books, collect comic books here. So I could completely rest and not really do anything. And that was a, a running joke. Uh, I just recently joined the Undroppables that we had talked the last like few months of the, the regular season. And then, you know, they added me in all their group chats and all this stuff. And I was like... Uh, what do I do? I was just kind of here because everybody's talking Dynasty and Devi and everything under the sun. And I'm like, well, uh, I'm just the guy in the corner, like kind of like, you know, the movie Office (laughs) Space where they're like, what would you say that you do here? Uh, Well, I do DFS. I'm pretty good at it, but there's nothing going on right now. So long winded way to answer your question. I do a lot of resting and reading and evaluating and just all kinds of wild stuff.
0: Nice, nice. We're going to have to have a separate conversation one of these days about comic books, just uh, just say so that that's going to have to be something that we'll, we'll spare our listeners from at this moment. But you and I will have to get touch base. Uh, Chris Allen uh, has come up with a best ball segment where we're going to get into, into best ball conversations. Uh, Chris, why don't you take it away?
2: Yeah, sure. So I thought that since we had Chris on today, it'd be a good time to I mean, if we're not talking about. The strategies behind putting together DFS lineups because we're not in the thick of the regular season. Well, we can at least talk about putting together lineups for the regular season and just putting together a, a roster construction or trying to draft rosters uh, through best ball. And now it's you know, middle end of February. The draft lobbies have already been open now for a couple of weeks. I don't know if you guys are as degenerate as I am. I've already thrown <laughs> some money into the pool. I've already drafted a couple of teams. And I wanted to kind of just get the uh, get the word out or start talking about and having that conversation about uh, trying to structure your best ball teams. And one of the pieces that I'd worked on for the uh, 2019 and 2020 season was looking at this idea of roster construction and roster construction is essentially what your draft strategy is going to be. I mean, once you get on, once you get on the clock, I, I get it. You see all these players out there. You're looking at the draft board. You don't want to miss out on grabbing a certain player or a certain position, but there is some strategy behind how many at each position you're going to take think about it from an extreme standpoint you don't want to be the guy that's drafting four to five quarterbacks because you know you only need maybe two or three to last you entire season the same thing would go for tight ends defenses and then kickers if you happen to play on ffpc so one of the things that i've done over at Four 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 is break down what's that optimal strategy what does that optimal lineup from a positional standpoint look like and then also looking at it, not just from how many do you need at each position, but what's the opportunity cost associated with drafting each of those positions. A running back in the first round has much more value than a running back in the fourth, fifth round, similar to wide receivers. I mean, where their score or their values are a little bit flatter because you can get similar output from a second, third wide receiver in the fifth or sixth round, as we've seen historically. So things like that. And that's the type of th- uh, type of stuff that I get into, and you'll see over the next few weeks, both myself and Jen Akins, we're putting together uh, a list of, I guess, strategy articles uh, going through roster construction. And I wanted to have that quick conversation with both of you guys tonight. Uh, so, I mean, Brandon, real quick, I mean, just to kick it over to you real quick, I mean, what is your preferred strategy? I mean, you're on the clock. I mean, you, uh, regardless of where you're at in the, um, in the draft, I mean, how do you prefer to open? I mean, do you want to try and get those running backs as soon as possible? Are you trying to swing for upside when it comes to trying to get the Travis Kelsey's of the world, the George Kittles? I mean, what's your preferred strategy when you go about trying to draft your team?
0: Sure. You know, uh, first off the, the quarterback situation, I, I was a strict two quarterback guy for years. And then last year, I did much better in best ball formats going to three quarterbacks. Uh, I tend to wait on quarterbacks, so that kind of gives me, I guess, more balls in the air to kind of hope that one hits. Uh, And then also it kind of safeguards me a little bit for an injury. So I'm a a strict three-quarterback guy. Tight end-wise, I kind of go the other route. Uh, If I get a really good tight end early then I'll I'll usually do a two tight end route. If I end up going a little later, I'll grab three for the same reason. Uh, But I'm a running back, running back guy. I I always have been. There are seasons where I don't really like the crop as much or I get excited about what's on the board in the second round and I go running back receiver. But this year with guys like Saquon Barkley and Aaron Jones and Josh Jacobs going in the second round, uh, I'm probably going to double up on running backs. And then if somebody like Darren Waller falls to me in the third round, then I'll do that. Uh, Kelsey, obviously, I would take, but it, it's early second round is usually Travis Kelsey, late first round. I, that's just not where I'm going. That's not where my appetite is.
2: No, I, I get that. And that's where I started off with when I first started putting together teams, and I don't know if... I've been hanging around folks like Denny Carter or like uh, and reading some of the works of like Sean Siegel and whatnot. I haven't gone like full zero RB or anything like that, but I do like to at least work with the high end wide receivers at the start of my draft. That's just my personal preference. I've done more uh, wide receiver TE, uh, that's more over on FFPC, maybe even wide receiver, wide receiver, depending on if I'm at the back end of the draft, and I don't feel like reaching on reaching on running backs. So things like that is where I typically prefer to go, but I understand the logic behind it. You want to try and lock up some of those guaranteed touches, especially because for some of those running backs, you're not going to be able to get a guy that can put up the same amount of, uh, the same amount of points as maybe an Alvin Kamara, Derek Henry, or anybody like that. So, but if you could get, or if you could draft somebody like Devontae Adams, Tyreek Hill towards the back end of the first round, that's where you can start to make those trade-offs and then try and structure your team that way. So I know there are different ways to go about drafting your teams. Your opening is going to change depending on your draft slot. But since we've got Chris Robin on here tonight, Chris, I wanted to pick your brain a little bit. And even after the end of the 2020 season, I mean, we saw a number of guys either break out, uh, have uh, great fantasy seasons. But. As we're trying to flip it towards 2021, I mean, who are a couple of guys that you're going to be targeting over the offseason? If it's not the rookies, I mean, I already heard you pound the table for Rondell Moore, and I'm 100% in that camp with you. But what about some of these uh, veterans that are coming back for 2021 that you've got your eye on and that if you were to start drafting best ball teams, who are you aiming for uh, during this offseason?
1: Well, to be honest, it's a great question. I, I want to preface things by saying uh, I, I love that you guys asked me here. And, again, a lot, of, a lot of times nowadays people think that they have to know everything. If they don't know everything, then they're, then they're nothing. I've only dabbled in best ball a little bit, but I, it's always nice to get in the ring with some heavyweights every once in a while to see what you're made of. So having had limited experience with best ball, I still feel comfortable with you guys because it's all a kind of a give and take. You know, the strategies always change. and and the people you're drafting always change. But if you have that that mindset where if I want to put my mind to something and I want to figure it out, then it's going to happen. So in terms of best ball, uh, I love what you're saying. I've spent the last few days reading up about it, and the different strategies, because I'm like a strategic hound. I can never get enough of it in anything. Shoveling snow, going to the – whatever I can do to get a leg up in anything, that's what I'm all in on. But to answer your question, I think Stefan Diggs in Buffalo – you, you could call him a veteran, but he he really he had I mean the fantastic season last year where it's probably uh, he's going to be a little bit too expensive for my taste, but you're going to get in in draft rooms or, or you know your work leagues people that really aren't paying attention that much where he might fall where it was value if you look at last season his ADP was like fourth or fifth round and he shot up obviously maybe even the the end of the first round I know that's wild to say but just trying to cover every base here so. So, Stefan Diggs uh, is a fantastic ad. I love Keenan Allen. I've always been a big Keenan Allen guy uh, in LA, and I absolutely love the idea. Let's say Tyrod Taylor was the quarterback. People wouldn't, they wouldn't be salivating like they are with Justin Herbert as the quarterback there. Keenan Allen has just been nothing short of a wide receiver one and a PPR monster for several seasons, yet, if you look at where it stands now, his ADP is still in the mid to, to early fourth round. For a guy uh, that he can produce like that, it's unbelievable, and I can't stress enough the the excitement of him kind of growing and learning with Herbert as Herbert is growing and learning. Uh, Kareem Hunt is another big one. Everybody's always on Nick Chubb, and rightfully so, but Kareem Hunt has some fantastic value as well if we saw what, what they did in the playoffs. They made the playoffs finally, and got, they're getting something together special in Cleveland, and I can say that. Uh, I know you're an Ohio guy, Chris, but. I'm a Detroit Lions guy, and if, if if the Cleveland Browns can do that, it gives me hope that the uh, that the Detroit Lions can do that. So Kareem mm-hmm. Hunt, uh, Mike Evans, who probably will be a little bit more expensive than most because they won a Super Bowl and doing all that. Uh, and one more guy I absolutely love and I can't get enough of. He's not really a veteran, but he played one season, and that's James Robinson in um, in yes. Jacksonville. Uh, I picked him again. It's like you know, I don't know if you guys are married or what your what your situation is, but like you got a long term girlfriend or your wife you know oh i know exactly where i was when i met her uh, i saw her across the bar and i walked up i know exactly where i was when i added james robinson off waivers last season it was september <laughs> September 4th i'm dead september 4th it was literally about uh 10 30 in the morning i added him and my fantasy team w- w- was never the same in a good way here so uh if you look at james robinson his adp right now and again it's not saying much it's it's uh february 22nd here but you can get James Robinson in, you know, the the mid-second round, which I've done a ton of mock drafts recently, you know, especially on social media every two seconds, "Hey, join my mock draft and hang out." No love getting for James Robinson. All this crop of rookies, uh I would say a good 10 or 15 of them, you know, we we'll pick one are going ahead of James Robinson, which is just shocking to me for whatever reason. So, I just
2: I want to pick at that just real quick. The James Robinson, I guess his situation i mean we're we're projecting nothing but goodness is that is that essentially where you're looking at for the jaguars in 2021 chris because i'm thinking all right so they bring in urban meyer uh they they're gunning for trevor lawrence to me it looks at the very least they might even get uh some additional help either along the offensive line maybe draft another uh another weapon uh to go with that that offense now that's armed with dj chark lavisca chenault uh, so with James Robinson's situation in 21, I mean, it sounds like you're you have no concerns in terms of, I guess, any sort of ambiguity that might come with the fact that he was a UDFA, kind of came out of nowhere with the void left by Leonard Fournette. He took over and bought baw- and completely balled out. I mean, but you're, I mean, you're all in on him for at least for 2021. Is that correct?
1: Oh, absolutely correct. And I'll scream it from the rooftops. I'll climb any mountain and put my flag there uh, on J. Rob here. Now, uh, the the most common. Uh, thing I hear from people when they're saying when they're trying to talk me out of James Robinson is the fact that well uh they're not paying him any money he, you know he's not like some big high-end uh you know rookie running back or is a big contract guy and they're gonna run him till the wheels fall off now like well, well that's the point here uh, I'm not really I'm not really invested uh, and, and not this might sound awful but to, to to try and just work it out as I'm talking here I'm not really invested in James Robinson as the person I don't know what his favorite color is I don't know what his living I, I just like him on the football field for selfish purposes for our football team and he's got all the makings of a uh, thousand plus uh, all, all receiving yards. excuse me all-purpose yards here and it's not even close and to bring in I mean they're they're without a doubt it's not even a secret they're going to draft Trevor Lawrence so they're gonna want to get this kid some reps throwing the ball and everything I've seen in my 36 years on this earth uh, a rookie quarterback's best friend is a good running back and or a tight end that can kind of help him out, you know, in coverage and in reading some defenses here. So James Robinson is going to be unbelievably fantastic this season. And uh, I'm sorry, I'm not sorry for people that are are putting him down and telling me that, oh, you don't want any part of him. They're just going to, they're going to bring in somebody else. I just, it's just not possible.
2: Right. And I think that's the insecurity could be one of those could present a buying opportunity for a lot of folks. And I think that's some of the value that we need to pounce on as as fantasy gamers. I mean, if we saw that his talent was there in 2020, it's hard. I'm hard pressed to believe that they're just going to go away from him if not this season. And maybe even he might even have a shot for keeping that role in 2022. And I think at the very least, we should pounce on at least the workload while we still have it in front of us.
1: Yes. And you know what I think is the issue here? And this is from uh not from a football perspective from like a behavioral therapy kind of thing is w- which what I do, I analyze everything. I think a lot of these people who are putting J-Rob down and saying, oh, you don't want him, you don't want to draft him, are those same people that that really uh, screwed the pooch on him last season. They didn't buy in and they got burned and they watched him have all these magical games and put together one heck of a rookie season. So in turn, uh, their feelings are hurt. So that, that's the first thing people notice. I, I didn't get in on it, so I'm just gonna, you know, kind of put it down and kind of use negativity to make all my all my... Bad feelings go away. It's really an odd situation. I, I I
2: agree, and I'm I'm hoping that James Robinson continues to prove that he is a good, uh, not just fantasy asset, but just a good running back, which he showed in 2020. So I'm I'm definitely all on board with that. And I'm hope I'm hoping that's the case.
0: Yeah, it's strange. Uh, just to cut in here, it's strange because we didn't hear this with Arian Foster. Like I understand right? that James Robinson didn't quite have the season that Arian Foster had when he had that breakout year his second year. But, you know, Robinson, he's undrafted. He's 22, averaged 4.5 yards per attempt, had 1,400 all-purpose yards and 10 touchdowns last year for a bad team. Like, I don't see what the downside is here. And I don't see why Jacksonville would look and say, hey, here was the highlight of our offense last year. We're not paying him. Let's replace him with a higher priced option. It just doesn't make any sense to me. I'm with both of you completely. Chris, what's in the news this week?
2: I mean, the big elephant in the room, I guess, even though the dust is kind of settling now uh, after the after the trade was announced. But Carson Wentz, the drama is over in Philly. He is now back with Frank Reich out in Indianapolis. He is a Colt. He will take over for the retired Phillip Rivers and then now lead that offense. And hopefully, I mean, given what we saw Phillip Rivers be able to do just in his first season and that revamped uh, offensive line, they drafted Jonathan Taylor. They have Naheem Hines backing him up, but then you see. Not just T.Y. Hilton showing up in the passing game, but that mixture between him, Michael Pittman, uh, Paris Campbell, even though he was hurt midway through the year. I think it's a potent offense. I think Carson Wentz can be seen as one of those guys that he can, at the very least, maximize the talent of those guys around him. He needs that supporting cast in order for him to be functional as a quarterback. So the Eagles went ahead and did their deal. So they went ahead and moved him for the 2021 third round pick and a 2022 second round pick. Uh, with the conditions that as long as he reaches 75 percent of the offensive snaps in 2021 those are the conditions for that uh, 2022 pick turning into a first round pick uh, for uh, for the eagles so with that let's look at the fallout i wanted to get your guys opinion on what's going to happen now and what the what that means for their respective teams now chris i mean what are you where are you at now with Carson Wentz now coming over to Indianapolis. Who do you see as a just, just a clear beneficiary from the fact that they now have? I don't know if it's an upgrade, uh, maybe a trans, you know, a side or lateral move of them going from Rivers to Wentz. But who do you see as being a big winner out of this, for, at least from the Indianapolis side?
1: Well, realistically, it's it's Jonathan Taylor or Na'im Hines, but that everybody's talking about. That personally, I think it's Michael Pittman Jr. Who the bigger story here. I mean, as you said, the dust has kind of settled here. The bigger story today, Michael Pittman just doesn't want to give up his jersey number, and I find that fascinating. That you know, now they're argue, grown <laughs> men are arguing over numbers on, on, on cloth here. But uh, Carson Wentz is a guy who I, I I've said this all along. Uh, I really nothing him. I feel no way. About him strongly one way or another. Uh, he was in Philadelphia. He was just there. I've never uh had Carson Wentz on a team, therefore I was never able to trade him away or trade for him. It just, I think that's the worst kind of place to be. You're kind of in purgatory. You're not in heaven, you're not in hell, you're kind of just there's you're there's nothingness there. So Carson Wentz, I, I think he's going to be okay. Uh, actually, the, something happened in Philadelphia where I think it was a confidence issue. And you know, as people who, who watch sports constantly, uh, people use the term the yips in error parentheses mm-hmm. here. You know, like, like a baseball player or even a kicker. Once you get the yips, it, it's really hard to shake. People go to a therapist. They go to acupuncturist. They do all this weird stuff because it's like a legit thing. So, you know, people always toss around now the, the change of scenery. Is it going to be okay? Carson Wentz is still a good quarterback quarterback he's not very what is he in his mid-20s 26 27 something along those lines I think it will do him it'll, it'll it'll be very good for him to go there but let's see let's see what happens through the OTAs and if there is any uh like pre-game or preseason football stuff and we'll see but as it stands now uh, I get off on tangents when you ask me questions because I'm so excited but I think it's it's Michael Pittman Jr. I'm looking for him to take a big step forward in his sophomore season.
2: I 100% agree because we saw flashes of it like throughout the middle of uh, the 2020 season where we see him and Phillip Rivers connecting and even while we thought that T.Y. Hilton was dust I mean Michael Pitton was still able to work on some of those intermediate and underneath routes and show off some of that speed that we saw like when he was still when he was still in college so I'm all on board with that I'm hoping that that's the case I know that Carson Wentz does have the tendency to avoid some of those shallow routes we saw some of that like when he was there uh, in in Philadelphia we'll see if that was just something that was a part of the offense and not having the trust of some of his supporting cast but hopefully he'll get a chance to work with Michael Pittman over this offseason we'll get to see him like through some training camp and see his development and I think now that he's uh, back with Frank Wright we can start to see more of his development as a quarterback but now turning things over to the Philly side, Brandon, I mean, is it Jalen Hurts season? Do you think that there's any chance that they can wind up drafting another quarterback?
0: There's a chance, but I, I still think they probably bring in a veteran to back them up as more of like an insurance policy. I just don't see them using a top pick on a quarterback when they've got other needs. They need weapons in that passing game. Uh, Philly is a blank slate, and I'm really excited to see what they can do with some better health and adding some weapons to that offense. i uh, Last year, you know, you got to look at it. They were missing five offensive starters if you count Jason Peters, who they signed late to replace andre dillard who was supposed to replace jason peters who jason peters then replaced and then got hurt so they you know that four of those starters four guys that they were missing were top 14 in pff offensive line rankings the previous season so i mean they have a really good offensive line that wasn't there last year and i think that jalen hurts will benefit from just even a little bit of average health there and then any kind of additional weapons that they're going to bring in miles sanders progression uh you know more from jalen rager if he can stay on the field I bet they add somebody in the draft uh in this deep wide receiver core Dallas Godert there you know I I just think the the weapons are there and that team is not as empty uh, in the coffers as perhaps it looked last season due to injury so I'm pumped for Jalen Hurts and I think he's going to get every opportunity to win that job while they bring in maybe like a Nick Foles they make like a trade for Nick Foles again or something along those lines I think I think that's the move you see them make rather than some big splashy signing
2: Yeah, I think that's true. And from the looks of it, they're already ready to move on and dump some of those expensive contracts that they were carrying. Deshaun Jackson has already been released, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I think the report came out earlier today saying that Alshon Jeffrey is going to get released. So it looks like they're they're moving on from uh, some of their aging talent that's on the team, They already invested in Jalen Rager. Uh, We'll see if they can bring in some more, some additional help in order to boost that passing game. But at the very least, I mean, with the uh, small sample that we saw Jalen over those last uh, three or four games of the uh, 2020 season, I think there's enough there to say that he should be their starter in 2021. I'm hoping that they can get past some of those injury uh, concerns that you noted, Brandon, and then that entire franchise as a whole can at least become, a, I guess, a better competitor in the nfc east because after last season it just seemed like if washington was pretty much the only team that we were excited to watch week in and week out Especially towards the end of the season, they had a shot going to the playoffs. Uh, that, I mean, something's wrong. Uh, so yeah. I think that I, I would say that they, uh, with the way that they're moving things now, they're they're better set up for the for the future at this point. With that, I mean that's the news for this uh, this last week or so. Uh, let's kick it over to to Brandon and Chris, and let's do, let's go through our featured segment for today.
0: Sure, sure. First, I just want to mention normally we do a feature feature segment where we highlight a uh, article from Four for Four that we really like. Uh, I'm not going to go too much into it because we've already talked about Carson Wentz, but if you want to go dig more and more into that Carson Wentz trade and hear uh, some really good analysis, Jen Akins, our uh, other co-host who's not here this week, uh, she wrote an article this week, I'll, I'll put the link in the show notes, uh, all about the fantasy repercussions of the Carson Wentz trade, so uh, check it out, no thoughts on it because it's something we already covered, but definitely check out that article. Folks, early bird pricing for 2021 4 for 4 memberships are available. Don't hesitate to sign up early and capitalize on the ever-growing off-season content we bring you day in and day out. Check out Classic, Pro, and DFS Embedding memberships up to 25% off right now. See 4for4.com plans for details. And on to our main segment of the week. Uh, this is the thing I was really excited to get Chris Robin on to talk about uh, fantasy expert rankings, how we go about them, how we use them, and then Fantasy Pros' history of ranking experts as well. I love it. So uh, first off, Chris, uh, you do the you do some rankings over there, don't you?
1: Yeah, absolutely. IDP as well. You know, all the full offensive positions and uh, IDP as well, that I've always loved that. And I've always carried that flag. And then in turn this last year, that's all I like. IDP is like the redheaded stepchild. Nobody wants to embrace it. Nobody (laughs) wants to talk about it, but I'm still ranking it. I do every year. uh, I do a, my my top 50, uh, IDP guys where I write a blurb on each one I mean it's not nothing crazy but it's still it's something that I enjoy so it's easy to do and I'm happy to do it so I'm glad that I'm also you know people throw my name around in IDP circles and that that makes me very uh, happy and proud
0: I love it. We'll have to hook you up with Mike Wallert from Four Four Four, who does the IDP rankings over there. Yeah, you and I, you and him, would definitely enjoy talking IDP. I love IDP. I love it in Dynasty. I love it in Redraft. I enjoy it a lot. Uh, when you make those rankings, uh, it sounds like you put a lot of thought into them. How do you recommend people use the rankings? Like, uh, do you recommend they do tiers or just straight? this guy's better than this guy, or are they double checking their gut? Like, how do you, how do you think of people using
1: them when you put them together? That's a fantastic question. And it's, I think that with the number system, like this guy is a, he's a top five quarterback, Patrick Mahomes is QB one or Mm -hmm. Tannehill's QB seven, wherever he was this season. It kind of, it, it leads to some like, not uninteresting, but unnecessary kind of conversations where it's kind of like people are, you know, my sword is bigger because, I, you know, my sword is bigger. No, I, my, my toy is bigger. Thing along those lines. All these numbers are <laughs> thrown out there. I firmly believe, and I would love this, that we kind of move to a tier system. That's my mm-hmm. thing. You know, but then you get it and then you get a group. You can't make everybody happy. You guys know that by now. But, you know, in tiers, you know, it's like... Uh, Patrick Mahomes tear break, and then someone put 17 spaces after that. So tears, I think, are should be. I'd love for that to be like the new uh, hotness or the new way to to kind of rank people or use rankings because uh, over the years, when I'm comparing two players, you know, for my own personal use in a fantasy league or even DFS, you know, uh, quarterback four and quarterback six, they're cl- they're two numbers away, four, five, six. It's boom, it's right there. But if you have a tear break at four into number five and then six is in another tier it kind of tells you a story in your mind because most times correct me if i'm wrong here when i'm reading my when i'm reading other people's rankings or even my own it's kind of like a, i have to make a snap judgment it's two minutes before lock or, you know two minutes before the kickoff <laughs> and i'm deciding on two guys and i'm i don't get anywhere this guy's wide receiver four this guy's wide receiver five What well, you know just flip a coin and go from there i think i'm not saying that a, that Tiers would create like uh, world peace or anything, but a tier, if a wide receiver four was in the top tier and wide receiver five was in a bottom tier, I would easily, you know, defer to the higher tier, if that makes any sense.
0: No, that makes perfect sense. And it's really the way I use rankings I I tier them, I have like little spots, uh, little slots where I think of, and then I use them as a double check to double check my gut. Like I look at a, a lineup decision or a draft decision, I say, I like this guy better than this guy. That's what my gut says. I'll check the rankings, and if they're far apart, then I'm going to change my gut and tell my gut you are wrong. But if they're pretty close and in a similar tier, then I'm probably just going to go with my gut. Uh, Chris Allen, do you, how do you, you use rankings?
2: I typically go about it the same way you guys have been discussing it and using the tiered approach because it's not guaranteed that you're going to wind up getting the player that you want. I mean, I know we all go in with uh, having these ideal guys that we want to draft. I mean, if Mm -hmm. I could draft Patrick Mahomes in every single league, I just might, maybe. But, I mean, if you can't get Patrick Mahomes, you have to be flexible in your drafts, whether it's doing a live draft, drafting for your redraft teams with your buddies or whatever. You have to be flexible. So if you can't get Patrick Mahomes... Who is your fallback option going to be? Who is a player similar at that, at that value or where your draft position is that you would want to draft in his spot? And I think that's what tiers allow you to do. Tiers allow you to look across multiple positions and say, well, if I can get up to these four or five running backs in this tier, that's where I'm going to draft. And th- those are the types of guys I want to draft right here in the second or third round. And if that tier gets eaten up, well, then maybe I'll just flip over to wide receivers because then I should be able to find some wide receivers in a in a higher tier that I can draft from from there. And I can pick from that pool instead of if you just go through the rankings just numerically, you might wind up missing out on some value and wind up, I guess, uh, using or uh, abusing the opportunity cost associated with your position. So by using tiers, I think it gives you a better idea for that value across multiple positions instead of just staring at a ranking sheet and saying, "Well, can't get Patrick Mahomes, so that just means I'm just going to go down to the very next guy and it could be a wide receiver, running back or or wherever." So it gives you that positional value that you might not get uh, elsewhere.
0: Yeah, absolutely cuz I, you know, I want Alvin Kamara, he's not always there. I got I got to come up, I got to pivot. That's what I got to do. I got to pivot in that situation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah um, uh, Chris Roberts, so fantasy Pros has has takes a look at the different rankings that are out there it's something they've always done, and this is I, I know that there's information on the side about learning uh, the methodology they go behind ranking, but that seems like such an arduous process to me to go about all the experts out there, look at all the rankings, and try to figure out which expert is the most accurate each season. Uh, four for four has done very well in this year to year. John paulson's always near the top uh, how do how does fantasy Pros do this? Uh, because I, I, I think it's I think they do it better than anybody and I really enjoy it every year. I think it's very interesting. Just curious what you can gleam for us on the um on the process behind
1: it? It has to be like an algorithm, or if you're used to playing DFS, like an optimizer, they, they have all the players in front of them and they kind of use, uh, as we were saying, like a tiered system, or it, it, they're collecting the right data in terms of the output per person. And then you look at it on, the, like, let's say I'm looking at a fake big board right now with all the quarterbacks on there and what they did each week. And then they must run it through some sort of, of computer system, an algorithm, or as I was saying, an optimizer and it starts to 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 spit out well chris robin was really good you know in his top 10 this week or or your guy paul was really good this week so there's no way you're absolutely right it's a long arduous process i can't picture like an old lady you know wearing a shawl in an (laughs) office you know with with a typewriter just go like correcting every you know expert uh, you know, ranker in there. So it's got to be something fast where you can update it real quick. And it has to be, I'm almost certain I said this, but it has to be some sort of algorithm mixed with like an optimizer in terms of the, of the, the data that they collect.
0: See, so, so you're telling me it's not Ethel in the kitchen in, in, you know, with a pencil and a scratch, box? cause I thought for sure it was
1: Ethel. I yeah, thought she- for sure. She by, by day, she's your 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 middle school lunch lady serving, uh, you know, mashed <laughs> potatoes and, and two day old microwave pizza. And then in the evening, you know, Sunday evening, Monday morning before she goes back to school, she's got like she's got a pencil and a, a legal pad and she's writing down everybody's names and she's got some weird system. But she does it well. <laughs> I love it. Um,
0: Chris, how did you get connected with fantasy Pros? Just a little bit about your background with fantasy Pros.
1: Sure. Much like uh, I'd like to think a lot of our stories, you know, content creators, broadcasters, they kind of all start out the the same way. It's what path we go that kind of divides everybody here. And I would say uh, my my DFS article, that's my hit. That's my number one hit. I've been writing that for about five years now. But way before that, if we rewind back like six years ago, you know, there wasn't uh, a lot of content out for, not DFS was unheard of, but in terms of dynasty stuff, it was, wasn't was anything like it is nowadays. I mean, things are just watered down. You can jump out of an airplane and you'd land in or in, in, uh, rank someone's rankings. I mean, they're everywhere. But back then, Fantasy Pros was, was then, you know, the big dog. I mean, you had ESPN, CBS, not name dropping here, but those other bigger websites. But Fantasy Pros, to me, like five or six years ago, they were like, yeah, this is like I could do this this is what I want to do and they were like the you know the fantasy advice or the rankings for the you know the small guy right they weren't like a big you know multi-million dollar corporation at the time it was just for you know both four. Fantasy players buy fantasy players, and that's kind of what turned me on, and I was, I'll be honest with you, I was insecure for a lot of years in terms of putting my own, you know, content, my own writing, my own rankings, I was very insecure about that, you know, things are going to get torn apart, they're going to run me out of the business, I mean, and I noticed that there was a, just a, you want to contact us, contact us, so I would send an, I sent an email probably two or three times a month for about uh, a few years, and I finally heard back and i just stumbled upon it i went and logged on to my my fantasy pros login and i had all uh, like premium access, I was able to drag and click and do my rankings. So they 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 let me in to to be an expert ranker, but they didn't say anything. So that's I emailed the, the same people back, and they go, "Oh yeah, we put you in like six months ago. Like I, I missed out on half of the season before because I didn't know that they had given me the go ahead or like the tools, you know, the access to to rank and go from there. So this season, uh, I was chomping at the bit to get my rankings in, and I had a, a, an absolute blast.
0: I love the idea of the fantasy by fantasy for fantasy players. I love four for four. Kind of has a similar uh, reputation and mentality, which I really enjoy. Everybody there, uh, it's it's just a cool cool environment. I think. So I wanted to take a quick look. I mentioned John Paulson does our expert rankings. Um, I shared those rankings with Chris Robin uh, on Friday. They're behind our paywall, but uh, I wanted to take a quick look at them since we're talking rankings. Uh, He's got his never-too-early rankings out that were updated last Friday. I wanted kind of the three of us to mention maybe uh, somebody that we uh, like on that, uh, where they are, or maybe like more than where they are, and somebody maybe we're not as high on there. Uh, Chris Allen, have you gotten a chance to take a look?
2: I did, and one of the first things that I was looking at was quarterbacks because that's typically where I tend to gravitate. Uh, and essentially, especially when it comes to best ball, since we were talking about that earlier, I tend to plan out my entire draft strategy around the around the quarterbacks. Uh, if I'm going to wind up taking a swing at a quarterback early on in the draft, so in the fourth, fifth, sixth round, am I going to be looking at a Josh Allen, a Dak Prescott, a, a Kyler Murray? Uh, Or if I'm or am I going to be waiting later on and trying to take a stab at, you know, Ryan Tannehill, Joey B coming back, assuming that the knee is knee is OK or something like that. So that's that's where I was looking at, like on um, on John's rankings. And one of the things that stuck uh, that stuck out to me. Uh, that I'm not 100% in on, and not to say that not to say that he's wrong, because now I'm gonna have uh, John in my uh, in my mentions on Slack here after I say something. <laughs> but I see I see Matt Ryan down at a quarterback 15, and after after this past season um where we saw i mean even without julio jones uh for what two three four games uh calvin ridley now has his like 13 1300, 1300 plus yard season uh we uh, the that defense was one of the was one of the worst defenses i mean probably next to uh next to dallas that was i guess Pulling them into some of those negative game scripts, and now even though that they've switched out their uh, the defensive coordinator, who's had actually had a decent track record um, with putting together, uh, I mean, good defensive units. Who's that, Dean Pease, if I'm not mistaken? Yeah. Uh, I I do wonder about like what Matt Ryan's value is going to look like uh, in in the 2021 season. I know a lot of folks like aren't too high on Julio Jones now, especially because of the age, the in the lower body injuries and whatnot. Uh, But if there was a guy that I wanted to at least bank on coming in at the back end of the QB one conversation, that might be Matt Ryan, or if not him, then I would definitely look at a guy like Baker Mayfield and seeing what that Cleveland offense is going to do now in year two with Kevin Stefanski Uh, with the way that they ended the 2020 season. Uh, Baker Mayfield at a about a 59% neutral passing rate, uh, deep ball rate uh, was also in the 16-17% range. Hopefully, they're getting Odell Beckham back. And regardless of which narrative you believe, if uh, the offense was better with or without uh, Odell Beckham, I mean, if you have somebody with Odell Beckham's talent, but they're uh, but he's doing the things that they were asking Rashard Higgins to do, I just see that as being a success for that entire offense. So. Baker Mayfield down there at QB 18, to me, that looks like a value. I know that there's still going to be that concern that they're going to continue to be that like round and pound or just run first type offense. But with the way that they started to mold things and starting to use Baker Mayfield more on those play action or boot action type plays and that success he had with it, I think he'd be one of those guys that if you're going to wait on quarterbacks, that'd be one of those guys that I want to target.
0: I'm with you. I, I love bargain hunting and looking at those lower ranked, those second tier ranked Uh, Or, I'm sorry, like QB2-level ranked quarterbacks to see who I might target. Uh, I do the same thing with tight ends, which is why I look at Irv Smith all the way down at 14. I look at Mike Gesicki up at um, number 8. I don't see a big difference between those two. I think Irv Smith obviously isn't quite as proven as Gesicki. Both probably have been inconsistent thus far. I think the upside of someone like Irv Smith that you can get way late in the draft is probably going to be worth more to me than uh, a mid-round pick on Dallas Goddard or somebody along those lines. Uh, Chris Robin, anyone stand out to you, and what do you think of Matt Ryan?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So when I'm looking, I I spent days on end looking through these rankings, and I didn't— you said you know don't share them they're behind a paywall I'd never do that but they they're very good I wanted to tell a few people like look at these you know <laughs> in, in in reference to you know you know someone's got Justin Herbert like literally 18 or 19 i'm like well here he's number nine and that's fantastic and to be honest with you uh this might sound odd but at number nine i still find value in justin herbert because i firmly believe uh herbs is going to be top three top five this time next season he's going to be a top five quarterback so if you're saying you know a quarter a young quarterback like him is going to make that kind of a jump you know to thrust himself in a top three or a top five quarterback situation and you can get him for like quarterback nine, quarterback 10 right now, that's massive value to me. And Jalen Hurts at 11, uh, seems like a little bit of a stretch for me, but when I say stretch, we're talking like three or four spots a little bit lower. Uh, And in terms of running backs, one guy I want to mention real quick is uh, Aaron Jones. He's got him ranked 12th overall. At first glance, as you're asking for now, it seemed too low for me. Aaron Jones has has been nothing but a fantastic running back for Green Bay. He fits everything that they do. I want if like the apprehension in putting Aaron Jones you know out of the top ten has something to do with well he's probably not going to be back in Green Bay well where does he go well if he goes somewhere where uh, it's his show all day every day I'd like to think we'd be able to move him uh, into the top ten here and one other guy uh, running back DeAndre Swift 14 from everything I've seen so far everybody's just absolutely in love and enamored with with DeAndre Swift here in Detroit and on your rank on their rankings here you have them as as 14th which is which is very fair but if if you follow the pack And you're seeing DeAndre Swift as a top, uh, let's stretch it a little, as a top like six or seven back, you know, but most people are, that's where they're ranking him. But if you're telling me I can get him uh, 14th, you know, at running back 14, then that has to be massive value given uh, how other people are looking at Swift.
0: Yeah, yeah, I I agree. Some of those running backs is going to be value to be had. Certainly uncertainty is probably a factor here with the never too early rankings. Uh, Every year, John has to, it's, it's a tall has to take into consideration all of the potential movements and all that i'm sure that's back with jones i will i do want to point out john paulson james robinson number seven on this list right up there with the three of us i uh, just Love fantastic. uh fantastic seven <laughs> fantastic um I, I want to ask one more question about the rankings i'm always interested in the tight end position uh george kittle ranked third uh here ranked uh top five pretty much everywhere uh do you have apprehension either one of you would we could start with chris robin here Uh, what's your apprehension level drafting George Kittle, uh, probably in that second, third round where he was going last year, uh, based on coming off such an injury plague season, some uncertainty at quarterbacks, some more weapons. Uh, How confident do you feel with Kittle being in that same conversation he was last year?
1: I, there's, there's little, there's actually, I I was going to say little to no, but there's little, there's nothing. I have no qualms about drafting, uh, George Kittle in that, like, as you said, that, that early to mid second round here. And I would even, uh not looking to start a fight here, but I would bump up Kittle (laughs) second overall over Waller. And again, that's not saying anything earth shattering. That's pretty, you know, standard from what I'm seeing here. Uh, Kelsey is no doubt one in a way. I mean, he's a a top 10 wide receiver in terms of what he did last year, but we all know that that's not a sneaky little uh, nugget of of fact here, but George Kittle, I have no issue with him. This guy is fits the bill. Everything I like in, in a fantasy football player. And again, and people get uh, they get very thrown off. They think it's like it's life or death with fantasy. If we're not having fun playing fantasy football, then what's the point? And I I like to own guys within reason. I'm not going to reach for someone silly just because he's uh, my guy here. But George Kittle is is a top two tight end to me. And again, something I do personally. Uh, I don't. If I miss out, I mean this. People talk about this all the time. If I miss out on like the top five or, excuse me, top three quarterbacks, then I'm going to wait. In terms of tight ends, I do the same thing. And more, time, more times than not, uh, my tight end selection is like ten, to the 10th round plus here because I'm not willing to draft you know, Kelsey or, or Kittle in the first round or the middle of the second round. Same thing with Darren Waller. That's just me. I found a lot of, of success playing that way. So if it's not broke, don't fix it. So to be honest with you guys, what i'm trying to say is i've never had kelsey or kittle or even waller on a team because i just don't like selecting one there in the second round when you know a j rob or swift can be there i'd rather have other positions over a tight end
2: sure chris allen your thoughts so at least for me if i'm looking at george kittle in the early second round the value proposition of trying to grab a a tight end i think i'm with chris robin in the fact that and i think you echoed his sentiments brandon is that if I'm not going to grab like one of those big three, then I- I'm just going to wait. And I would rather, uh, in some cases, I would rather draft the, the wide receiver or running back that's going at about that same time, just because that's how I prefer to structure my team. But as for for George Kittle specifically, uh, Pro Football Focus has him at uh, number one in terms of uh, yards per route run, which is one of the, I guess, the stats that are stickiest in terms of like year over year production. And I mean, and that's with just eight games played. I mean, that's more than Travis Kelsey, uh, more than Darren Waller. I mean, so what he's capable of doing out there on the field is still something that as a fantasy gamer, you want to at least try and get that on some of your teams. And he was what third in uh, third in PPR points per, uh, per per game. I mean that's behind Darren Waller and Travis Kelsey again with just the sample of eight games played. But still, that's still on a team that featured. I mean Jimmy Garoppolo at quarterback for part of the time. If it wasn't him, then I mean it was either one of the backups because they I mean, both it was Nick Mullins uh, at some point during the league as well. I mean throughout the rash of injuries, not just George Kittle, but that to that entire offense. He was still putting up 15.6 uh, points, P- uh, PPR points per game. So if that's his floor and now he's getting healthy, the offense is getting healthy, there's discussions about Jimmy Garoppolo moving on and then possibly grabbing another quarterback over, like, over the offseason, whom I'm assuming is going to be at the very least a minor upgrade from Jimmy Garoppolo, then sure. I still think that George Kittle is one of the better tight ends out there on the field, not just from a receiving or fantasy perspective, but as from a blocking perspective as well. So if I do like George Kittle as a fantasy asset that I'll invest in, but again, the opportunity cost associated with grabbing him is still high enough that I wouldn't be all in on trying to draft him on every single one of my teams.
0: I love it. I love it. Yeah, this is great. Um, listeners, don't forget to follow Chris Robin on Twitter at Detroit Beastie check out all of his fantastic content Chris thank you so much for joining us any final thoughts or any plugs before we go
1: no you said it best you find me at Detroit Beastie I do uh, maybe this is sacrilege to say but I'm writing a daily hockey fantasy article you know DFS weekly you could check that it's normally out by 10 or 11 o'clock and and I pride myself on interacting or getting back to anybody that sends me a message or ads me tags me Uh, I give my phone number away to people if they really need to talk or my email address Uh, that's what I'm trying to do. That's all I've ever tried to do is connect with people, have fun, build relationships. And I can't thank you guys enough for uh, reaching out and having me on here was unbelievably great
0: awesome well we really appreciate you coming listeners uh we may open up the mailbag at some point so feel free to tweet us questions you can also email me at brandon at four for we'll periodically answer select questions on the pod so send them in don't forget to subscribe to this podcast you can follow us on twitter at two guys brandon and at chris allen ffwx thank you so much and have a great day